Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had a, an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of choice, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy. Hello, everybody. Karen Anderson is our guest, and we've had a really good chat already, and luckily we hit record. Karen, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thanks, Kathy. I'm looking forward to meeting you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So as the sort of founding director of Foundation 96, like just tell us first off what Foundation 96 is, and then mm. I think we'll reverse engineer a bit about how you landed, how you landed. How we got there. So yeah. in a nutshell, it's a network for people that are either diagnosed with cancer or living with cancer. Two interesting phrases that some people do and don't like. So there we are. There's just a little bit of background on that, on which way we're going with that. So we've been here since 2014 yeah. and its purpose is to fill the gap when you have finished treatment and you ring the bell and you go home and you go, what now? Okay. okay. There's no oncologist. That's not for another six to 12 months. The surgeon's finished. The radiotherapy's finished. Chemotherapy's finished, et cetera, et cetera. And you go home and you go, what? Where? How do? What's the side effect I can treat? What is cancer that I can't treat? What is, this, what is something that I can do? So we have found all the health professionals. That can help you. So we're in 19 countries now. And we have 1,200 health professionals specialising in cancer. So that's it in a nutshell. And while we've got the idea of a nutshell, what is it about your name and logo and turning cancer around? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? So the godfather of cancer, because it was hard to try and work out what name I should call it. So that we went down through, it's a crab. And crab and its cancer is spreading. And that's what his belief was so many, so many years ago. And we turned it around and got 69 and went, yeah, you can't Google that. Not a good idea. So we went 96 and then looked for a strong name to go in front of it. So it's difficult to come up with the right name. But I did ask 100 of my cancer patients and they all said new normal was the name. And I didn't like it. So how ungrateful. I asked, I received, and then I knocked back. Okay. Yeah. Do you regret that? No. no. I still don't like the name. Okay. I still don't like New Normal. But then what I have found over the years is that it's not about me. Mm. And you need to get those lessons, don't you, over the years? Yeah. 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 So speaking about the lessons, you're the director now of a mm. significant organisation that changes people's lives. Back in the day, your professional life started as an exercise physiologist. Back in 2000. 
So as an exercise physiologist, I decided that the best thing to do would start my first chronic disease studio and look after chronic diseases with exercise before the time. Because mm-hmm. I love to be the trailblazer. That was what and I that thought was like a, almost idea. a new graduate, a real early career. Yeah. Well, I was also an old graduate. So I'd already been in the traps. Years. Yeah. I'd already been in the traps, already done it all, but I just needed the piece of paper. So then went back to uni. I was 35 when I went to uni. So I'd already done all the years of, of uh, on the ground and knowing what I needed and knowing where the holes were in the system. So I just needed the extra knowledge and I needed the credit for, you know, the qualifications and started my own business and said, right, it's going to be a chronic disease. So it was Parkinson's, MS, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. So it was difficult because we didn't have enough research. We only had enough, but not enough to be able to go through. And I, yeah, you, like everyone else in your own business, you get a a big lease and you get staff and you know, you've got $100,000 a year in, in uh, expenses before you get started. And I had six clients. And you go, okay, okay. Then what here we go. Then? Well, you quietly pray and you advertise and you market and you market and you advertise and you pray and you hope you're doing things right because we don't have enough evidence. We only have that much evidence. Yeah. And so you've got to work on your feet with your scientific brain and say, well, we could do that. Well, we can do that. So we did do that, which was fantastic. Um, And then an old guy said to me, he came in, he had um, cancer, and he said to me, you can't buy marketing. You can't spend the money and think you're going to get people here. It doesn't work like that. He said it's your reputation and credibility and you have to earn that time in the trenches. So that's the lesson I'm going to give you. But where we went through that for many, many years was where are the people with cancer? So we yes. did, you know, osteoporosis, and yeah, we continued. Arthritis, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So time I got to about 2006, 2010 in that, in that phrase there, I'm like, well, we still don't have research. Oncologists are telling me you can't exercise and they're sick people, they need to stay in bed. And then we got the, oh, you're going to metastasize the cancer because you're going to heat up the cells and they're going to end up with it all metastasizing. Yeah. But then I found some oncologists that exercised and truly believed in my pathway because I said, if you put a man on the moon, they're going to lose their muscle mass. Mm-hmm. We've got to get these people out of bed. They're not sick. They just have cancer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's get them exercising. Let's keep their muscle mass. Let's build that bone density. Let's get the cardiovascular system from cardiac toxicity, from all of the things that are having done to them. Let's and reduce it. mental wellness. No, that's just the bonus at the end. Oh, is that later? Is that a decade later? Probably? But, well, no, but we didn't have the research for any of this. Wow. So one of, 20 years ago. Yeah, so one of my prac students who then became an employee that we're still friends, um, we had this belief system that it, it will work. So we had people that were triathletes that got breast cancer. You know, Iron Man that got prostate cancer. Are you happy for us to use you as guinea pigs, basically? Yes. And guess what? It was amazing. And then when we got the uh, oncologist, a couple of them here in Brisbane, who sent leukemia patients to us, and the ball started from there. And as we grew with thousands and thousands of cancer patients over those years, so did the research and so did the evidence. And we went, oh, thank goodness, we were all on the right page. <laughs> it could have ended badly, but it was so successful. So then it was Wellness Centre 1, Wellness Centre 2, and I continued down the track until I went, I've now 
built my worst nightmare. Mm. I am now, I am now, 2011. Okay. I said, I am now, people work in a democratic radius of where they're going to go. So you can only catch that many people. They, yeah, you might get the 10 kilometer, you might get the 20 kilometer, but majority of people work in that field for exercise. And I now have, you know, a $100,000 bill every year and multiplying and you've got 25 staff and it continues on. But you've got to earn that before you can pay everyone else. And so it was like bums on seats. I was literally becoming, I no discredit to a fitness first person, but it was what I felt like. I was literally on the phone calling people to get money in to be able to pay people. Okay. And that wasn't what I wanted. That was not what I designed. Mm. So you are doing classes, managing 25 women, which is hormonally interesting, and then you're going to uh, make sure that everyone's getting paid, everyone's getting quality treatment. You make sure you, you have to do everything. And I'm not sure if you get that when you start a business, like everything. I think it's not going to happen to you because you've seen it happen to friends and colleagues yeah. and people you might admire and respect, but, oh, no, my business would be different. No. Because you have to learn to do everything. You haven't got a choice because you can't employ someone and teach them how to do a role if you don't know how to do it. And in between that, you've got to continue to reinvent yourself to make sure you're one of the best that people are going to be referring to. So how did you get out of your own way? I left it all. I literally walked away from everything. I went into medical centres mm-hmm. and sat in nine different medical centres and just did person after person after person. So the craving of not having to be with clients all day long, I went and filled that hole for mm-hmm. a year. I literally did a whole year of nothing but clients every single day and that nothing else, nothing else. That's all I that did. Is escapism. It was literally <laughs> let's sit back and go, I don't want to be paying. I don't want the stress because none of this is what I wanted. I just wanted to help people with cancer. Mm. So I then packed my bags in 2015 and went to America because so I couldn't get what I closed the business down at this point. I handed it over. To, handed there it. was yeah yeah we had three partners in it. Uh, we had two three directors. Yeah. So I just pulled out. Okay. It's t- time to go. Yeah, yep. I can't do it anymore. I'm done. Um, I need a new challenge, and now I know my personality. Like you have to get that to find out where I got to now is that I I'm not a project manager. I'm a trailblazer and I have to accept that, that I, I've got to create and then I've got to go. And you need to get that, otherwise you're going to be pretty disappointed with what your job's going to be. Totally frustrated. So yeah. what happened in the States? Well, I, I tried here in Australia many, many times, quite a few years, while I was having my sabbatical in medical centres, to be able to get exercise in chemotherapy wards in hospitals because that was my next thing in my brain. It's not about just treating people with cancer. I now want to treat people that are having treatment in cancer. I want to exercise them because I could feel that we needed that. We're losing that. And I got very, very, very close to getting the approval. I had all the doctors and the oncologists and everyone's excited. I got into my first hospital and then I just had a wall of physiotherapists. I never, ever dreamt that was going to happen. And it was literally like, you are not coming in. This is not happening. We are not having exercise physiologists in here. And I went, are you kidding me? I'm bringing a brand new service. I have the approval from the board. I have the approval from the oncologists. 
are you serious? So when I went back to the board and I went back to the oncologist, they said, look, you're going to have to sort this out. It's a political thing you need to sort out. And I said, you know what? I don't. I need to do that. That's not what I'm on this earth for. You sort that out. I'm got, I'm out of it. So I moved to Virginia into a beautiful hospital system where I set up exactly what I wanted. Oh. And I, I ended up with a $30 million grant and could build whatever I dreamt I would want to build. And COVID hit. And I oh, needed. Wow! So it was that recent. And wow. I needed. Okay. I needed to. I needed to come home. I had. I had children. I had grandbabies. I had a mum. And uh, mm. I'm like, we got to come back. I just won a grant. I can't come back. I have a Mustang. Like, you <laughs> can't leave a Mustang in Virginia. You can't. I was just. Oh, what a decision! Yeah. Oh, it was a really. And do you know the most exciting thing? which you got paid every week a check. Every week you got paid, regardless if you did any work or not. I've never been in that situation in my life because I've always been my own boss. That's a different vibe. I've never been employed. Like six years I've been employed. This is like really fun. Like you don't even have to think about money. It just comes and you just do your job. I was just blessed. Fantastic experience. Knew I had to come home. I totally got that. So we did. Packed up the dog. Husband and I, and back we came, sold the car, sold the car. Sold the car, okay. Cried, sold the car, sold the house, got rid of everything that we owned there and realised that Australia was going to be home again. So in the time I wasn't there, so 2015 or 14 when I started Foundation I6, my Australian directory turned into American, which turned into British, which went into Europe. Uh, And I... I just did it on my weekends. It was a hobby. It was, you know, after work and things like that because my day job was so complete. So it was just fun that I kept it going, but I didn't keep it going to the point where it is now. So when I came back to Australia, um, yeah, we had a couple of years holiday and I was building Foundation 96 clearly through that period. So it was great because Zoom came in and I could continue using my, uh, seeing my clients in America. So all of that was fun. Uh, then we built a brewery because we thought that'd be a good idea. Oh, yes. So we um, we bought a hundred and sixty acres. We bought a mountain and this moved is up around Brisbane. Up yeah, Brisbane. so we moved yeah. out of the city, and then we went. We'll build a brewery, and then you know what? We're just like this is fun. Okay, we filled the hole from America now. Got all the grandbabies. <laughs> everyone's happy. So it's been good. Um, and then I thought when COVID had finished, I'm like, well, I might go and get a job. That might, you know how you get that paycheck again and you don't have to do, you can just get paid. So I, that was burning inside me. So I went for two job interviews. <laughs> and that's when you start to get your wake-up call. So the first one went, what makes you think you would be happy working here? Like how are you going to be interested in this? Like what's going to keep you occupied? Like what are you thinking, lady, basically, you know? And there were two university physicians and they're like, my friend eventually pulled me aside before I went for a third one and she said, there are people that are employed and they're really happy mm-hmm. and then there's you. That has to be the person that is going to be working for themselves and there are people like that and you just have to accept that. And the quicker you accept that you have to be the person to work for yourself and do your own show, 
the happier you're going to be. So you can't put you into an employed area and you can't put an employed person into a small business. You've got to work out who you are. So watch your hat. Yep, yep. I'm um, quietly amused that you thought that you were employable at that stage. <laughs> I was excited about it. <laughs> uh, in reflection, what a stupid idea. Yes, I would have been exceptionally bored. I would have eaten them to pieces and it would have been the terrible, oh, terrible I'm experience for all of us involved. Well, I've, always, I've nearly always been a bit of a pain in the ass as an employee. But the freedom I had, this is where I got into a false sense of security. So the guy that employed me in America had no idea what I was doing, okay? He just said, make me look good. Never, ever came into anything I was doing. I just had to go through compliance and legals and and work out the whole system and hit the ground running. It was the most exciting thing because I had no idea what I was doing. So in many ways you were almost self-employed. I was completely self-employed. And I would do his presentations and he'd take it to the CEO and say, this is what we've built. (laughs) No idea. (laughs) No idea. And we we are still really close, him and I. Um, And I admire someone that could be that confident he had no idea I just walked off the street and walked in there and sold myself and said you need me and he stupidly said yes but he got a lot out of it and they got a lot out of it I got a lot out of it and the cancer patients got everything out of it so it was a really really fantastic win yeah all righty so you're unemployable got the brewery (laughs) Back with Sam, Foundation 96 sort of side hustle became the main hustle at that point? Yeah. So it is my everyday job, seven days a week. I'm back in that sort of mental frame after COVID. Um, I'm like, okay, so the consulting area, this is the interesting part. I built the directory and went, you know what, that's fine. People will come to the website, they'll find out they need a health consultant and then they'll contact them and then they'll be fine. Well, yeah, that didn't happen, did it? Mm. Because that's just like a dream. Okay, so let's get a human in between. So let's do the health consulting. So people can contact me for 15 minutes for free and I will give them the opportunity to see that I'm real and I'm probably not from chat GBT, and then they can have those opportunities with me there. They can then consult for an hour. So I have a team now that are consulting with this philosophy of if we need them in different time zones. Yeah. Um, that now links the cancer patient to us. We find out what is their side effect that is troubling them today. So let's just cut it down piece by piece, get to the end of our, find out what it is, who's the best person for them. And that now is a direct referral, which works out fantastically. So that's giving the doctors and the oncologists and the medical centres the opportunity to unload that burden because they don't know where to go. Well, share the care, yeah. Yeah, okay, which is great. But it's not working as well as it could be in Australia. So we're like, well, we've got Medicare, we've got bulk bill, we can do that. But then we get political again. And that's where Michael, I hope, <laughs> that I was mentioned earlier that had yeah, on your previous podcast, we're looking now going down that pathway of saying, okay, how can we do it better? What can happen to the website to make that easier for them? Because what problem we come into once I found out why are you not referring 
is, well, we're not allowed to. We can't refer to you because we're allowed to refer inside ha- in the house. Ooh, let's just keep stacking those silos. So this hospital can only refer in this hospital. This can only refer in this treatment centre. And we can't do that. So how do you get around that? So now I'm in the process of writing training courses. So now we can teach the people in their workplace to be able to understand who you should be referring to, which allied health professional, and then we can look at either a white label of Foundation 96 to put in their business so they're not coming out of their business, or we'll look at how we can direct that through. So there are all the discussions of moving forward now. How do we get this business into the places they want it? Every time I speak to them, they want it, they need it, they understand it, but they just can't because there's too much in the way. So incomes carrying the trailblazer. Yeah. Busting holes in the walls. It's always me though, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, I've, I've learned to sit with that and say someone's got to do it. Mm. Yeah. Is it working? Yes. There you go. Yeah, it's working. Is it working in every centre and everywhere in the world? No. Is that what I want? Yes. <laughs> so, why, do you think it's, it's, why do you think it's different slash difficult in Australia? All right. So if I had that 100% answer, I would have solved the problem. Mm. So I think there are many reasons. Yeah. Too many people making one decision, people that can't make the decisions because of other roadblocks in there. Who's going to pay for it? It's always that. Okay, we'd love to have that service because that would be wonderful client, you know, patient care. Cancer care would be wonderful if we had that service, but who's paying for it? Are you paying us to, to, to do that? Who's going to pay for the health consultants? I think the whole private-public thing doesn't help yeah. me. There's a little bit of that too, but we can't even get there. Like we can't even get – it's always about the money. And what, the, what are the shareholders? What do the shareholders get from that? Mm. So many, 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 many meetings later – this is where I'm at because why don't we just go to the client then? Why don't we just go to cancer communities and and not-for-profits and the pink foundations, blue foundations, and get them just to refer directly? That might be the better way of going. So we, we're coming from every angle yeah. and saying, is it a GP that's going to do it? Is it a nurse navigator? Is it a breast care nurse? Who is going to have the authority to be able to do it? Because none of them have got time. At all. So my visualisation is like a QR code, stick it on your desk, push the patient through. Because how else are we going to do this? It's an interesting conundrum I'm in, but I don't want to give up on Australia. I truly believe that the service is going to work here. It's just trickier. In the allied health business world, it's harder than you think to stay on top of everything you need to do to run a business whilst being fully present for your team and clients. If you struggle with this, you're not alone. Pretty much everybody feels this way. Some days you feel like you're crossing a decent task off just to be reminded that you then have three new tasks to take at their place. The to-do list feels like it never ends. It can be overwhelming doing it all on your own and that is why we took it upon ourselves to reach out to help you out. We have created our monthly masterclasses so that you can join and connect with others, learn bite-sized business skills, and best of all, walk away from our masterclass with tasks ticked off your list. 
we can guarantee that each session will provide you with at the very least five gems that you can take and put into action right there and then. And trust us, as soon as you hop off our short and sweet session, you will want to take immediate action because that is the effect that Kathy Love and these masterclasses have. Each masterclass tackles a topic that has been niggling in the back of your mind and has moved further and further down your list. However, the sooner you nip this in the bud, the sooner you will free up your time and see the results in your business. Ready to nip your business woes in the bud and start taking practical action to maximize your results this year? Join one of our monthly masterclasses today. Curious about your entrepreneurial spirit. What what was you thinking about going international? Why did I put the directory from Australia to America? Because I actually didn't think I was coming back. Mm. Did I come out loud? Yeah, I mm. I truly had set up. Mm. So let's do it. And it was just easier. Everything is easier, which is really interesting because I would have thought before I left that America would be harder. Yes, navigating all the insurance yeah. and permissions. Yeah. Yep. No, there's pathways for it. We don't yeah. even have the pathways for it. Yeah. You just got to go knocking on doors and banging harder. Yeah. And then all the other countries? Um, so they're just flowing through. So to be honest, Australia is leading the world in cancer. There's no other word for it. In exercise, um, OT, physical therapy, dietitian, psychology, we're leading the world. Absolutely. Um, so Europe are looking for help. Asia are looking for help. And the UK are way behind us all. And Americans is way behind us. So that's why they're hungry to do anything in that sense, because they, you know, they want to bring themselves up to our standards. But we've got more red tape. So I can build my ideas there so much easier, even though they're 10 years behind us, which is really interesting, I think. Mm. So. Mm. so do you have representatives in other countries or is it all based in Australia and team serving? Yeah, so we all chat clearly because you have to work as a team. There's no way this is going to happen if I try and do it by myself. So have you got team offshore? So I've got business coach that I use that's here, but the offshore is all of the different disciplines and health consultants that I speak to and the health professionals chat regularly and we try and work out how do we do this? Mm. How are we going to be able to get this to be done with your system? So I'll give you a classic example. We also have um, courses that we started this year. So I look at what the health consultants that are working in the system or health professionals or allied health, they all have different names in different places. They're all doing fantastic things. Some of them have been 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, doesn't matter. But they get a research paper, they get a great idea, they hit the ground running and then they do it for year on, year out. And then they retire. And I'm like, no, this can't work. We need what you're doing. What did you pull out of these research papers that you're you're doing in your clinic for your patients and we'll put it in a course and then we'll sell it to other people, allied health people that need to do continued learning or they just want to upskill, they just want to get better at cancer. Oh, that knowledge. So, yes, really- an absolutely brilliant idea of mine. Love it. But no one can actually develop courses. <laughs> so- oh, would that be you um, doing it before you delegate it? So now I've got to hire someone that can actually build courses, um, which is interesting, isn't it, to be able to get into that situation where you go, all right, 
hand over all your years of everything, stick it in a Google Doc and we'll sort it out. Because everyone's got the videos and the PowerPoints and everything, but they just and don't know how to go. Micro courses, yeah. Yeah. So we'll pull it together. So I'm we've got someone now on the team that can do that. And that can happen anywhere in the world again. So that's fantastic. And then what came out of that was the people that are doing things for clients day in, day out have gone, well, why don't I package it up and we can sell it to clients? And we're like, well, that'll work, especially in rural and things like that. Mm-hmm. So especially lymphedema, they, they're working exceptionally well, really cheap, really affordable. But what we found, which I never thought would happen this year, is, all right, I'm talking to you and we're going through all of your consulting and what's your issue. Okay, well, you've had surgery or you've had radiation. You're going to have to be concerned about lymph nodes. There's a high risk now for you to have lymphedema. Uh, you need to get that managed. So these are the things we can do. And then next month I have a chat and I say, well, did you go down and follow up these people? Oh, no, that's just something on the list. I didn't do that. I'm like, okay. Can you do this course? It's going to cost you 30 bucks, and it's on lymphedema. I'd love you to do it before our next session and they do it and they come back four weeks later and they go, oh, my God, that lymphedema thing was pretty important, wasn't it? I've got the lymphedema therapist now and i got the OT and i got the phys- And I went, oh, my God, I didn't think that was going to happen. So it's not a word now. They've yeah. seen it, three hours of it, yeah. and it's real now. Mm. And now we're getting people to do things easily by educating the client to make it important. What's that expression, when the student is ready, the teacher emerges? Oh. You know that one? Yes, yes. But, no, it's not going to come immediately. I think it is as simple as that. I don't know who said it, though. Yeah. But that's a great example of when people are ready and the right person says the right thing at the right time Mm -hmm. and connects them to the right content, boom, health outcomes. Yep. But isn't that with everything? And this is the issue we have in the space of cancer. So you go in, you have all your treatments, they give you a huge big folder or a plastic bag or whatever it is. It's got a thousand things in it. And every single person in the last 30 years have said to me, I don't want to open that. That's daunting. I don't know where to start. I don't even have the energy to get to the first page. It ends up in the bin. That so isn't about me. That booklet isn't how I identify or is, doesn't represent the lifestyle that I want. Yeah, and they're not even in the headspace to go down there. So you've got to start where they're at right now. And every single person in every cancer is at a different place. They've got a different history. Even if I go stage two, breast cancer, mastectomy, chemotherapy, bam, exactly the same age, women, nothing changing. Their experience is completely different. Their side effects are different. Everything is different because they're they're a different person. So when do we hit them with that knowledge? So this is the part that I'm going to play around with. Do we hit you with a SMS? Do we hit you with an email? When is the time where you are ready to receive that information? And at the moment, I'm finding it has to be human-based because I listen and go, oh, she's ready for that. And then I'll sneak it in in the next week and they'll go, oh, Yes, because you've got to, and this is where I think AI is going to be brilliant for us, but we've got to get it to that stage where we've got to say, all right, I, if this, this, and this, and this happens, then we're all aligned and then they can get that message. I think this is And it's only one message. It's only one thing they need to hear yeah. today. It's that intersection of your intuition and yeah. technology. 
Just imagine what I can do. People think that intuition is unexamined process. Oh, can you? You can't teach it. I don't know how you teach it, but I bet you could teach AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I can't teach people what I know intuitively. Like I can read people extremely well in the place that I need to be to find them on. You can see their expressions of their face. You can see what their tone is, the way they're wiggling and squiggling. I can feel where our conversation should go to find out what their side effect is. Because when we first start the conversation, it's fatigue, it's fear. You know, there's just a normal top 10. But you eventually get to my husband's not speaking to me because we can't have sex. My vagina's shrunk. No one told me that was going to happen. I'm uncomfortable. And then you get these conversations that you can't re-go to your GP with because you live in Oklahoma and your GP would go under the desk and start shaking because he didn't want to hear conversations like that in Oklahoma. So you got to be a jack of all trades. I mean, one lady had, she was um, pregnant, diagnosed with cancer, having baby, have your breasts removed as soon as you had the baby, can't breastfeed. I mean, just get the story really big. Yeah. And I'm like, well, where am I going? Where am I going? And then she said, the biggest problem I have is my girlfriends don't want to talk about my cancer. Mm. The elephant in the room. So let's unpack that. How are we going to do that? And how are we going to do it? I had 50 other things that would have been important that needed to be addressed. But today that's hers. It's not about and you. It's not about me. <laughs> At all. I, I, and the other big lesson I back think to the everyone. Back of the queue, Karen. It's not about you. Every, the biggest lesson I've ever learned in this space is you can't change people. Mm. Mm. And that's my life lesson I'm still going through. You just give out information and then it's their choice. Yep. Yes. And to practice patience around that, and to park judgment and all those other, all those other pieces. Let's switch gears a little. Oh, so many places we could go. Tell us about your team and like the operational side of it. Like who does what day after day? Well, I do a lot. So there's that there's that about the, the others. There's there's that. That's the team thing. From there I get guidance. What I would really like is to be able to get someone that can manage different departments. So that's the stage I'm at now. So when we can get Australia to work. Then I can get some oh, of the departments, departments. I want to have someone that could look after the, the service directory. Yeah. Okay. Because okay? I have to check, are you still in business? Have you updated it? Are you still the best person? Are you qualified, accredited, certified and registered? Because I'm referring to you. Yeah. Hashtag. All right. It's huge. It's a huge <laughs> thing to do. I would love someone to do that. So that's where we're at at the moment is to start Mm. to split that up. But I held on to it because, remember, it was a hobby. This was just a passion that I wanted to do. This wasn't going to be the next stage of business, which it's at now. So now we've got a course developer who I love to death, who does all of the helping with the course developing. I've got a business consultant, and what she's doing is she's, um, managing the areas that we need to go into, and that's the important thing. I have IT because there's always something. Who wants to do that? 
always something that goes wrong with WordPress and I have 35 plugins and you upgrade a plugin and then something's not compatible and they don't talk to each other. Let's not go down that pathway. So that is, I don't want that, but I know how to do it all. And that's again where it is. So it's not that I'm controlling and I think my business mentor taught me this back when I first started working with her um, in 2000. If you don't learn every single thing in your business, you are never going to be a good manager and you're never going to be a good director. You don't have to own it. You just have to know it because you've got to know what their day is and you've got to know what their problems are and you've got to know when they come to you having their rant or general um, conversation that this is not working for whatever reason, you can't just go, I don't know what you're talking about. You've got to go, I know exactly what you're talking about and maybe we could try this. Yeah. So that's why I take, it's not because I'm a control freak. I'm happy to outsource anything, but I've listened to her and you don't get someone like that and not listen to them, do you? Yeah. I think uh, I've sort of said, well, there's a difference between delegating and abdicating. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And I see delegation going wrong when it's not delegation with oversight and with structure and with check-ins and the rest of it. So there's, you know, really interesting good delegation frameworks around. It's when you delegate and just hope they do a good job and can read your mind that that is just a recipe for disaster. Disaster, yeah. and Delegation does not work because that's not delegation, that's abdication. Yeah. And and I think it's worse than that in the sense that people delegate what they don't want to do. You don't delegate the fun jobs. You delegate the ones you don't want to do, where you should be planning your delegation with a format. I mean, this is your, this is how you do it. This is your instructions. This is how you have to follow it. You, you need a, a really good documentation of that, however you want to do it. And if you document it correctly, I should be able to hand you over the service directly because I know you want that job. And mm-hmm. you should be able to sit, have a look at it. We can have a chat, blah, blah, blah. And tomorrow you hit the ground running because I know it inside out and I've written it all up. So I know you're going to know it inside out. And I think that's the important thing. Have you got good systems in place? I do. I'm a bit anal like that. Mm. Yeah. And they're not fashionable systems. So they're not. I love Excel and people hate it. But that's all I need right now. Yeah. You just need to have it documented. And then when we get into the next phase, we can put it into a good system. A yeah. functional system is what we talk yeah. about. It's one thing to have on yeah. another to use them. Yeah. I, I And I've done it in other businesses and I've definitely done it in, uh, we are, when we had the wellness centres, we had to have it all documented in there and we had a fancy little system and it drove me crazy and I hated every minute of it. But you have to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah. otherwise you'll never hand anything over. Yep. And you just end up just putting fires out the whole time because no one quite knows what's mm. expected or how to do things yeah. and yeah, like. Yeah, it is. But it'll be interesting to have this conversation in, you know, 12 months' time once we can get all the people, I yeah. hope, in Australia in place so I can then say, well, this is what I did with my spreadsheets. This is the system we decided to do. That was the best management system for us. And and see, I'm probably in the early stages for you in this business mm. for those questions, if that makes sense. I think we need a lot more on our team for you to, you know, go down there of how successful that is. Well, that's a really good segue because I was just about to ask, what's in the crystal ball? Like where is 
Foundation 96 going in the next one, three years? Yeah, well, it will be in treatment centres, medical centres. Yeah, it will be in there to do that. That is my ultimate uh, focus that's going to happen, which means there'll be a lot of training or there'll be a lot of health consultants employed. So we need a lot of mini-me's that will come out of that, that we can, um, it should be running, I mean, we've got 19 countries, we don't have 19 time zones, we've got probably three time zones we can work towards and make sure that that is running successfully in, in each place. I mean, ideally, it'd be great to have it in each state, you know, the 52 state in America, and then we've got New Zealand, and we can go into Australia, et cetera, et cetera. So if we could get people populated in each place, now they don't need to be employees, they can just be consultants that come through, that can be answering a phone or a Zoom to be helping people with this decision. Then we can put the rest into clinics um, in-house. So let's get a blend. Mm-hmm. For the people that can't, Yep. Whatever reason, can't outsource it, can insource it. Yeah. So that's the ultimate goal and obviously the training, the health consulting training. I definitely want that to ramp up and to get more sales, to to continually helping people learn, not on a university level of a cellular structure. I want it on a practical level on yeah. what you can share and that I think is going to be gold because we're going to get some really good qualified people in the cancer space. Those 20 years has been pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, it's what I've seen from I think we should exercise people to it should be mandatory. That's 20 years. Yeah. It should be mandatory. We're doing, you know, position statements that are coming through here in Australia that are saying it should be involved in cancer diagnosis. This is when you should be starting your exercise. No one should be having a cancer survivorship story without exercising. Mm-hmm. So now we just got to work out how we package it because it's a difficult thing to package. Is it in the bite size, which is the fashionable thing at the moment, or is it, you know, 150 uh, minutes per week? I mean, what do you package it as? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And the research to back it. Oh, there's so much research to back it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we are not short on research, no. Oh, so good. Well, I'd love to catch up in a year, year's time or so and just kind of hear the latest and greatest. You may or may know not. You may or may not know the answer to this. But how many, how many people do you think you've helped? Wow. Okay, so that's interesting, isn't it? So we we did do this back in early two thousand. You used to do Medicare slip. Uh, sorry. Um, uh, yeah, it was Medicare. Yeah, yeah. Medicare. You have yeah. to write them manually. Oh, my gosh, you did too. Right. So, thing. yeah, that was before the slidey thing. Okay. That was before you tap and pay. Like now you go to the doctor and you go boom, boom, slide, slide. This was writing it by hand and then putting it in an envelope and sending it to Medicare. And then Medicare would process it and then they'd make sure it's all correct and then they'd put the money into your bank. Funny, funny, funny. So we had 10 of us writing those to 1, 2 o'clock in the morning and we were averaging between us around 1,000 a month. When was that, though? That was in 2006. Yeah, right. So what do you reckon? So, oh, mate, just... 
where would you go? Because it's not just me then, because it's all the people I've employed. And you it's all the and it's all the prac students that I've uh-huh. trained. I might leave you with this challenge. We might pick this up. Later. I have no, I no, that's Millions? just hundreds of thousands. It'd have to be, wouldn't it? You'd have so what you'd have to do is calculate all the people that I've touched in my life that have then touched another group of people. So do you count the people that you didn't do but you trained someone else to do? Is that I, involved? I've, I've just asked the question. Yeah. So that, that's. Place, Karen. I've just asked the question. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. No, yeah. I'm extremely proud that, you know, here we are 23 years later and that's from my first of that businesses, mm. let alone going back before mm. that. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely made an impression. Yeah, yeah. Many and varied allied health business owners listen into this podcast. What else would you like them to know or to think about? Okay, so if they offer any cancer service at all that they are qualified for, clearly we'll put that up front and certified and registered and all the rest, then they need to come on to Foundation 96 and they need to put in a registration and add their business to the service directory so we can send them referrals because all of the consultants that I bring on board that take clients that I can't do in health consulting are not allowed to refer to anybody unless they've been vetted and they're on the service directory. So if you want to be part of it, that's what they need to do. That's what I'd like them to hear. And if they're not taking extra modules to understand that the service for cancer is really important, Mm. then please do. Please just put that little little extra thing in your physio or little thing in your dietitian or your OT, doesn't matter. Just get the extra skill so you can offer the service because one in three people coming through your clinic are going to have cancer and don't not be ready for it. Yeah. Like be ready for it. It's really easy to be ready for it. And it's so important to have those services. So the more people that can offer cancer services in allied health is so beneficial to us and is so beneficial to the cancer community yeah. because otherwise we'll get, especially rural, I mean, please, upskill in the rural areas because we struggle. We have to do it through Zoom to be able to provide that service. So, yes, easy, just lymphedema, just pick one. Yeah, that's a really easy thing to upskill on. Yeah. We will absolutely provide the links to all the useful places in the show notes. So, yeah, uh, yeah let's uh, make sure we come back and get 2.0. Oh, I, I'm going to be very excited because it's it is definitely going to. This is next year, 2024. Boom, it's going to happen. And you're going to know that number too when I ask. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I'll go for a hike uh, and give it some thought. Yeah, yeah, very good. It, it'll probably be either extremely scary or satisfying. Oh, yeah, let's see how it goes, emotion wise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for the time and I appreciate what you're doing because it is difficult to do your own business and if you went in knowing all these things, it's just not as scary. Yeah, you get lonely. It's nice to have. It's very lonely by yourself at one in the morning wondering how you're going to do everything. Exactly. Yes, 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 when you're doing your GST and you you got your accountant and, yeah, all those things. It just doesn't stop, does it, Kathy? It doesn't. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For the show notes and other resources, our webinar replays, they're all available over on nakercomau And if you're loving what you're listening to, please subscribe. We don't want you to miss out on a single thing. And if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes, please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues. And we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.